Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Russia said more times by football journalists and fans this week than Freddie Mercury on Queen's Greatest Hits. Manchester United are the pressing team now, that's what we're told. And in fairness, we did see a fair bit of it. Ralph Ragnick's spell as interim manager of the club begins with a 1-0 win against Crystal Palace in the Premier League. And for the first half hour at Old Trafford, this was an intense, energetic and exciting performance in which United somehow didn't manage to convert one of our many chances. 11 shots in half an hour, although only two on target. In the end, Crystal Palace weathered the storm and it then needed a delightful curler from Fred to give United an important three points and begin what we hope will be a sustained climb up the Premier League table. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast to Series 7, Episode 18 with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate, as always. We'll be talking about the Palace game and also the Arsenal game. We'll also be talking about Ralph Ragnick, of course, and about Michael Carrick. And finally, about Wednesday's match against young boys in the Champions League. United already qualified, already qualified as group winners into the knockout round. Uh, but one final game to play. Young boys going for that third place Europa League spot. Um, so we'll see how the game goes and we'll talk about that. But for start with Jack an enjoyable uh, Sunday afternoon watch for United could have been more goals should have been more goals it wasn't perfect there's lots to improve on but what was I guess the overall nice thing about it was that United came out knowing what we wanted to do and we did it and we we controlled the game when we played well we dominated the game when we kind of lacked stuff a bit Palace looked better but we were there as I think I think Barney Ronay said maybe uh, or the Guardian's football journalist said United were this game's protagonists rather than mere participants and you haven't always been able to say that recently yeah clearly far from perfect but I thought it was a lot of positives to take from Ralph Rangnick's first game in his uh, introductory press conference on Friday after the Arsenal game I thought he spoke really well and he spoke a lot about the need for control in games. And we saw probably more control in this game against Crystal Palace from United than we have at any point in the season so far. Again, it was far from perfect. And especially in the second half, I think we did let the game slip away from us a little bit. We were, you know, lucky that Palace didn't score just before Fred got our our goal on the, on the score sheet. But I think in general, 
you know, there were a lot of positives to take after just one training session. We could already see some of Ranić's ideas being put into action. The way we pressed high up the pitch was far better than we've seen probably ever at United, quite frankly. I think this was the, the most ball recoveries in the opposition half that we've had since Sir Alex retired. So, you know, that alone is a very, very clear indication of the way that we want to play. And it really positive signs we've managed to do that in such a short space of time with the new manager. There's a lot to work on, but I think we saw that this United team, there's been so much hand-wringing about whether this group of players is capable of playing the way that Ranić wants to play. And I think this sort of put that to bed a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this United side is clearly capable. And I, th- I think we knew that. I think most people could recognise that. Um, and yeah, Rangnick said before he held his, f- I mean, his work permit was confirmed on Thursday. He did his club interview on Thursday, which was then released Friday morning when he did his first press conference. He didn't have the players who'd played against Arsenal to train with on Friday. They were recovering. So it was one training session on Saturday and it absolutely pissed it down. It was really windy, he said. So they had 45 minutes on the pitch in the pouring rain. Uh, and then did most of the work on video and in in conversations between coaches and players. So yeah, the I mean, look, not that much changed. It was a slight formation change, but the same players that played Arsenal, it was more, I think the, the there were a few specific things. I think the players knew their roles very well. There was a bit more kind of uh, a discipline in those roles. Ronaldo didn't drift as much. Bruno didn't drift as much, but that applies to everyone. I'm not just picking out those two. Um, and yeah, it, it was just a, I mean, the first half an hour was really, really good and exciting. I think the energy kind of fell after that point and that means United are going to have to work on being a fitter team. Uh, but you can't really keep that intensity up for a whole game anyway. It's about picking your moments um, and controlling the game in which in the moments that you can't do that. But yeah, we went with a 4-2-2-2 formation, which worked well. We got the best, and this was something Ranick said, we got the best out of every player on the pitch. And again, that's not something we've always been able to say. But yeah, it, it, it worked well. All the players looked like they were square pegs in square holes. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest, because the, the the team sheet that we put out, it set up... It, at least on paper, perfectly to be in a, the usual four-two-three-one with McTominay and Fred behind, Bruno as a number ten, and then Rashford and Sancho out wide. So it was a real surprise to see that team sort of play this sort of narrower style with Sancho and Bruno very tucked in behind Rashford and Ronaldo as a proper front two. But it worked really well. I liked in particular Sancho being more central. I thought he was very involved in the game. He obviously you sort of lose out on some of some of his one-on-one ability out wide, but it was nice to see him in a more sort of central area. I thought in midfield as well, it was really good. I thought Fred in particular had a great game, but I liked that his role was a lot more proactive in attack. You know, I think Fred isn't he's not the most controlled player, but he does have a lot to offer in a sort of more, I think, sort of box-to-box role. It's what he plays for Brazil, and there's been a lot of clamoring recently him to be given a bit more opportunity to go forward and and play that role and he did it really really well it did just feel like there was a lot more clarity on the roles that each player had in the game especially out of possession which was really nice and it wasn't just it wasn't just the pressing you know the first half an hour in particular was great in that regard but I I felt at the back even when you know Palace got into our own half and so it's not really about a high press at that point we just looked a lot more disciplined defensively and it's encouraging that we're seeing 
you know, real substantive change already after, yeah, like you said, yeah. just 45 minutes on the on the training pitch, which I don't think we expected. I think I, at least personally, expected a bit of a bump from, sort of, you know, this new manager and some new energy around the club. But I really didn't expect to see very much changing in the tactical way that we approach the game. So that in itself, I think, is a really good sign moving forward. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, very much so. I think what we'll see over the next few weeks, I think... I mean, I think I said this on the podcast last week. I might have just said it in in conversation with a mate, but um, such is the the frenetic nature of football that I've forgotten. But I think we'll see over the next few weeks, possibly a couple of losses, kind of surprise losses when when teams work out how to exploit us. And I think that there were a lot of weaknesses that other teams can capitalise on that we showed against Palace. I think... Yeah, I mean, the weaknesses we've long had are set pieces and, and corners. And if you crowd the hair at a corner, you can probably cause some trouble, if not score. You can also, if you counterattack when you cross to the far post, to the back post, our fullbacks are probably out of position, so you'll probably score. Those have been long-standing weaknesses. I think what we saw with the, the pressing, and as you say, with Sancho and, and Fernandez tucking in, is it, we kind of, I mean, the pressing, it, it wasn't like a, a constant... Uh, intense, consistent pressing. That's not what it was, which obviously wouldn't be possible anyway, but it was sudden bursts. It was these kind of sudden bursts of acceleration and swarms. And that's what I think we'll expect going forward. The only thing is it was brilliant in the first half hour because Palace kept trying to play out and we kept winning the ball back and then we'd have chance after chance. There were minutes where we had two chances within one minute both separately carved out, not like a shot and then a rebound. That was brilliant and it was great to watch and it was I mean, he wasn't successful in them because we didn't score. I think the problem is we saw in the second half after half time, Palace then looked for that long ball, switching over diagonally to the other side of the pitch where because we're swarming one side, uh, there's loads of space. And I actually think if Palace, I don't think Palace played that well, not as well as they have played in other games this season. I think if they'd played better, they probably would have won that game for as much as I was pleased with what I saw from United. Palace should be disappointed they didn't win that because as much as we dominated for the first half, in the second half, if they'd played better, there was space there for them to capitalise on and as well as that that big chance for Jordan Ayo. So there are lots of areas that future opponents, I think, will look at that game and think, all right, we can, we can take advantage of that. But yeah, as you say, it was really pleasing and there were all these firsts. Uh, I mean, I think it was Ronaldo's best half hour in a United shirt since he came back that first half hour properly just all round brilliant performance both in in how he pressed but also how he created chances he didn't always look for the shot I th- the one I really liked was when he headed uh, long ball up to him and he headed back to Bruno rather than shooting straight away I thought that was great yeah um, really positive uh, best performance obviously for Dallow for Tellez uh, f- f- one of Fred's really good ones uh, I thought Sancho played well I thought Bruno played really well Um so lots of first plus the we the big stat going round was we won possession in the final third on twelve occasions against Crystal Palace the most we've done in a Premier League match since Fergie retired. There was also eighty seven percent of our uh, passes in the first half went forwards. That's a sign of proper domination. They're all first Premier League clean sheet since the Spurs game in in early October and the most passes into the final third that we've managed all season. All of these great things. Um, but yeah, as we said at the start, not perfect. Lots of, of areas where I think other teams can can take advantage of us. Yeah, 100%. 
it's going to be a work in progress, I think, for a while. And especially the second half showed that there is still, you know, a lot of weakness in this United team. You know, it's far from the finished article. I thought even in the first half an hour, as good as the pressing was, there is definitely still a lot more to come. It was, what I sort of saw that was very different from previous is that often in this United team, you'd see one player, it was often Fernandez would go and put pressure on someone and there'd be no reaction from any of the players around him. In this game, obviously Rashford, Sancho, Ronaldo. Yeah. In this game, there was that reaction. So if one of them went to press, it happened a few times with various players, they'd go put pressure on the man on the ball. There was a clear reaction from the other players and then it would become this sort of more coherent way of putting pressure on the ball. You cut out the easy passes. And as you mentioned, Palace eventually adapted to that with the sort of longer switches of play or just putting the ball further forward more quickly to stop us from being able to put them under that much pressure. I think what you'd like to see as United move forward is for that press to not have to be triggered just by one person, but you'd see a trigger in the way that the, the play is moving. So whether it's a goalkeeper passing out to a centre-back or as the ball is travelling, you'd see all of those players moving at once rather than it having to rely on one person on our side to be the trigger and then everyone reacting to that. It just it makes it a lot more proactive. And then you'd also want you know whoever's on the side of the pitch furthest from the ball. So if Palace have the ball in their right-back position and we have, say, Sancho, Ronaldo, Rashford, Bruno and Alex Tellers maybe putting pressure on that side of the pitch... On the opposite side, you'd want one of the midfielders and maybe Darlow or Wamasaka, whoever's playing right back, to also be ready to cut out that long switch of play to the other side. Because there is still a lot to be worked on, even in the, the pressure that we we're putting on Palace that was very good in the first half an hour or so. There is still a lot, a lot more to come, I think, from this United team. And on the ball, I think we're still yet to sort of see exactly how Ranić's playing. There's been so much talk about what he wants to do defensively. And I think that probably was the priority for this United team. And we, we're starting to see some signs of what that might look like. But I think there's still a lot more for us to see yeah. in terms of how Ranić wants us to play when we have the ball. You know, the sort of main thing that he has spoken about in the past is that he likes, you know, getting the ball forward very quickly and turning winning back possession into shots on goal in the first few seconds after winning it back. But past that, there's a lot less clarity on what his style of football looks like in attack. And I don't think we saw that much in the way of big changes from from Solskjaer's time at United. Obviously, we had a bit less width in attack because of the formation that we played. But other than that, it, it was quite a lot of the same. And I mean that both in the positive and the negative sense. You know, we still have these great players on the pitch capable of creating a lot. But I didn't, don't think there was that much in the way of a clear system and how we're playing going forward yet. So that, I think, is still to come. Well, it was a... Yeah, it was another... It, it was an individual moment it, of yeah, exactly. brilliance from Fred, which was which was excellent. Um, I think the one thing I noticed in terms of on-the-ball stuff and, and attack... Uh, on-the-ball, yeah, on-the-ball stuff was... A lot of those floated diagonal balls over the top, especially from uh, Bruno Ronaldo. They're, I thought they they combined so many times in the first thirty minutes. Um, other people as well, but particularly them. Whether it was from Bruno to Ronaldo or Ronaldo to Bruno, and it didn't always come off. In fact, it it never came off properly because we didn't score. But I thought it was good and exciting, and I I'd imagine that kind of floated diagonal ball over the top we'll see quite a lot. It, it's kind of how. It, I think it was possible because of the system, the way that the the four two 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 
allowed space to be created meant there was that space to have that ball uh, and Bruno or Ronaldo was in the right position to play that ball to the other one um, but yeah yeah I mean it's, it's it's 90 minutes after 45 minutes on the training ground there is obviously so much more to see um, but for now it was good uh, I think the one thing we did see is, is the passing was forwards more often but whether that's because of player confidence, because of what they were told, or because Palace kind of allowed it to happen, um, we can't be sure yet. Um, so yeah, I think we. I mean, think with any manager, you kind of have to. I mean, how many games do you have to wait? Five minimum to really see what's going on, uh, and to properly see, you kind of need a few months. But I think I think after five games, you can really know what they're going for with some certainty. And after one, you can kind of see some hints. And I think that's what we've seen. And I think those hints were positive. Um, we should talk a bit about Randnick off the pitch because as I said, Friday was his first press conference. He obviously spoke after the game as well. And it turns out he is an excellent talker who inspires confidence. Yeah, it was... Uh... I, I got, I was going to admit, I was sort of hesitant on, I guess, feeling too... Maybe not excited. I was excited about Ranjit coming in, but sort of investing in sort of the, the person, the man of Ralph Ranjit, because he is going to be an interim. But he swept me away in the first press conference <laughs> already. You know, it was just it was just great to hear him talk about football. We haven't had a manager that goes into so much sort of tactical detail in public facing interviews probably ever, to be honest. And I and I really love that trait in managers. I think it's it's great for fans to be able to get more of a glimpse of what a manager is trying to produce. And what I thought was great is that he, I, I think in, in sport and in life, I think a lot of human decision-making is too focused on outcomes. You know, if, and in football, that means if you win a game, everything's fine. And I think, you know, we talk a lot, Harry, on here about, you know, even when United do win games or when we have a positive result, the performances often aren't that great. And it, you know, has worrying signs going forward. And yes. I love the fact that Ranić talked specifically about that with the Chelsea and the Arsenal games. You know, he mentioned that, yes, we got the win against Arsenal, but we didn't have enough control of the game. Yes, we got managed to come away from Stamford Bridge with a one-all draw, which is a pretty good result. But I think I think Chelsea had like 20-odd shots and we had three or four. You know, I, I love the fact that he, he, he mentioned those things. And the thing that really stuck out to me was, I, I tweeted about this and I think a few of the podcast fans reacted to it, was that he mentioned that he wanted to reduce the coincidence factor in games by having more control. Now, we've talked so many times, Harry, about fine margins really being a defining part of Solskjaer's time at Man United, defining both games and sort of longer-term legacies, whether that's yeah. you know the Europa League final against Villarreal, so many of the comebacks that we had last season and we've said that before that part of the reason why this United team was so susceptible to fine margins is because our baseline performance is often sort of a one goal win over most teams in the Premier League. Yeah. And so then if one or two events sort of randomly go against you, that becomes a draw or a loss. And so you're sort of constantly living on the edge. Whereas you, as a top team, really what you want to be doing is your baseline performance being, you know, three or four goals better than the opposition. So that if even if things go against you, you just have a narrower win. You know, you're just winning 1-0, 2-1. And I think it was it was great for me to hear him speak about getting control of games more to reduce the, the chance that sort of randomness goes against us effectively. Yeah. And I, I, I thought he was, he spoke at, 
you know, so, so well. And it got me so excited for, for what we're going to see. Cause I felt like it was, a, he was, he came across as a manager that is really going to focus on improving the performance levels and the results will take care of themselves from that rather than yeah. if we win, everything's fine. Yeah, I agree. It was the, the line was about the coincidence factor, wasn't it? Yeah, and exactly. I think that was a, that was a lovely, I also love it when, Clever people can explain things very simply and in few words. And in fairness, Ralph Randick is not a man of few words. He loves to talk, but he could explain not really complicated things, but he's got an ability to explain reasonably detailed, complicated things in short sentences and simple language. He, He doesn't feel a need to kind of add complicated language. And that was the same after the game. It was, it was lovely to hear a United manager kind of be open about what our tactics were. Um, and I fully understood why Solskjaer and, and then Carrick as well, uh, the, the Solskjaer and his coaching staff were very guarded over their tactical approach and, and pretty much everything actually, they're often hiding information on injuries, on tactics, on, on all sorts of decisions. And, and that's fair enough. You, you can take that approach, but it, it was also nice to hear a manager talking through our tactics after the game, um, about why he'd chosen to go with a four, two, 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 why he'd played two number tens, why he'd played two strikers. I thought, yeah, I, it, it just gives you confidence, doesn't it? Um, whether that translates to on-pitch success, we shall see. It's the, the two I don't think are linked in terms of uh, often things that please fans in, such as that are not actually related to on-pitch success, but I'm just saying it was nice. Uh, before we move on to Young Boys, which is on Wednesday night at Old Trafford again, three consecutive away games followed by three consecutive home games, which is strange. Um, but before we move on to Young Boys, let's talk about Michael Carrick and about the Arsenal game, which was just, I mean, a five-goal thriller. Not something that Rannick will hope to see from his United team, but it, it was a thrilling game and it was a great kind of end-to-end affair with some refereeing controversy and a dramatic announcement at the end that Michael Carrick was leaving the club. Um, Firstly on the game and then on Carrick's decision. What did you make of it? Well, the game was a bit all over the place, really. And I think yeah. Fred's performance was probably a bit of a microcosm of the last two and a half, three years at Man United, to be honest. Some from the sublime to the ridiculous in, you know, a, a matter of moments. And that continued throughout the game. I mean, it was a fun watch. It was a it was a very fun game as both teams going at it. I thought we did okay in spells. I thought Arsenal did okay in spells. There was clearly, I think, a lack of cutting edge going forward from both teams. And that, that feels a bit weird to say that when there was a five goals in the game. But I didn't think either team looked particularly threatening for a lot of the game. Uh, but I think Carrick should take a lot of credit for, you know, the way he managed to sort of steady the ship after Solskjaer. Solskjaer went two wins and a draw in three very important games against, you know, pretty good opposition. And I think he he did some things tactically that were slightly different. I think we saw us be a little bit more aggressive in defence. Uh, certainly against Chelsea, we saw that again a little bit against Arsenal. I, I mean, I, you can't really say enough good words about Michael Carrick and his, his time at the club, both as a player and a coach, now as caretaker manager. And I think it does make sense that now is the right time for him to go. You know, he's been, yeah. he's worked now under Mourinho first, then Solskjaer. 
you know, I don't think there was much to gain from him being around under Ranić as well. Ranić clearly has a very defined style, and I think it makes more sense for him to bring more of his own people in. I think Carrick this this week has probably done him the world of good in terms of his chances of landing a, a managerial job himself someday as well. So I don't think he yeah. needs you know another six or seven months being an assistant coach. I think he's he's had his time and he sort of proved. I guess to the outside world that he he has the ability to to be a good manager, and I think it makes sense. This is the time for him to step down. Yeah, I just thought from a from his looking at it from a Carrick perspective first, rather than a United perspective. I just thought, yeah, good decision from him to so a good time to cut ties, and uh, I think a, a very nice way to go, having had a great record as caretaker manager. Uh, and as you say, from a career perspective for him, he is kind of put himself, advertised himself as a someone who can be relied upon, who can talk well, who can get a group of players playing again uh, after a few years as, as an assistant. Um, I think it, it would have helped for him to be around as Ragnick settled in. Just, I mean, for a new manager to come in in such a very busy period, you need the old coaches to have the the insight into players' personalities and their qualities and how to get the best out of them. So it, it I think it, it would have helped if he'd stayed. Uh, but yeah, the right decision for him, I think. Um, right, the Young Boys game on Wednesday, followed by uh, Norwich on Saturday, and then Brentford on Tuesday, I think, off the top of my head, followed by Brighton. And then, as we were talking about pre, uh, pre-recording, pre then we have a strange nine-day gap in the festive period. We managed to have, we've got eight games in December, and yet we have a nine day gap in the middle of it, which is weird, but young boys, um, clearly very important to get momentum under a new manager. On the other hand, we've already topped our Champions League group and this could be a great chance to play a lot of kids and, um, fringe players. It's a, it's a strange balance. Yeah. It is an odd one. If, if we didn't have a new manager, you'd say, absolutely. There should pretty much be no sort of first 11 starters playing. And I think it still does mean that, to be honest, I think we'll still see a lot of changes, but maybe instead of sort of nine or 10, as we might see otherwise, maybe it'll be more like five or six. I think I'd expect Anthony Alanga to start. He's someone yeah. that supposedly really caught Ranić's eye in the first training session and was rewarded with that, with a place on the bench and then coming on even before we scored against Crystal Palace, which I think is a great sort of show of his faith in Ilanga. I expect he'll start. I expect maybe the likes of Jesse Lingard to come in you know, I, I think it's an exciting opportunity for some of those players to play in a Champions League game. It's obviously great for us that we've managed to top the group already. And I think it'll be interesting to, you know, just see how, how Ranić adapts to having potentially a, a not first choice, you know, lineup. This is, to me at least, this is one area where I think having a manager like Ranić that has such a clearly defined style of playing, these are the types of games where that skill should show up because we've talked before about the fact that Solskjaer was always so unwilling and reluctant to rotate because his style was often reliant just on the ability and talent of his players. And so then when you lessen that talent, the the overall ability of the team to play well and function well was just massively diminished. And so the, the benefit, at least on paper, of having a manager with a very clearly defined style is that these players that are, you know, have lesser ability can come in and still produce at a high level because they're within this sort of clear structure. So I mean, I'm interested to see how how we might go in that regard. But I mean, there's a few injuries that are going to stop us from rotating quite as much as we might like, but I'd expect to see at least five or six changes from the from the Crystal Palace game. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, future. I, I guess Dean Henderson will come into the team. Uh, you'd hope, but just for, for from a personal perspective for him, he deserves a, uh, to play in the cup games at least, if not the league games. And yeah, Alanga will be a, a fun one to watch. I assume Greenwood will come in. He played for the first time against Palace off the bench, played for the first time in a month, one day less than a month. The last game before that was the City game, which was November the 6th. He then tested positive for COVID. Uh, so it's good to see him back. And he obviously, he, I thought I actually thought his assist for the Fred goal, it's not, it's not like a, an incredible pass, but I just thought the decision not to shoot from him was really good and mature and possibly a, a sign of learning. And I also thought, given he'd just come back from injury as well, even more impressive to, because he basically he received the ball, good first touch, but then saw, I think it was uh, Guehi and Conor Gallagher in front of him. There just wasn't really the, the space to shoot. And yet yeah, decided not to shoot and waited and then played it back to Fred. I thought that was mature and impressive. Uh, and yeah, as I say, particularly when returning from injury, when I, I assume he's desperate to get a goal again and, and get his goal scoring form going again. Um, yeah, in terms of, I mean, it's it's not as if there is a clear structure yet in Ragnick's team because we played 4 2 2 2, but we could play 4 3 3, we could play 4 3 2 1, 4 2 3 1, but at least there is a clear style of play as he likes to refer to it. So, other players um, who could get a chance, Jesse, although he's slightly injured, Martial's also had a knock, but we'll see if he's back. Um, Cavani's not ready yet, is he? He's He won't be able to play. No. Yeah, Cavani and Varane's still on the way back. We didn't actually talk about Fred and we've got a couple of spare minutes. So, Fred, great goal, great few weeks. Made the mistake at Chelsea by trying to chip Edouard Mendy and massively failing, <laughs> but didn't make the mistake this time. And um, also just, I mean, not even from a performance level, but the celebrations were lovely. What a likeable person. Yeah, he is. I I, th- I think Fred is... Um... He's almost a bit of a comical character at times because he he is just everywhere. We've called him a bit of a of a Duracell bunny before. And that really does just sum him up. It, in every game, it seems like every important thing that happens, Fred is involved. And I mean that both as the utmost com- the utmost compliment and also <laughs> a terrible insult because in every good and bad thing that United do, Fred seems to play an integral role. And I think, you know, him playing a, a part in the winning goals in both the Arsenal and the Crystal Palace games was, I think, basically is almost reward for two very good performances and a few good performances in recent weeks. He's very quickly becoming one of my favourite players, to be honest. He's he's extremely frustrating at times, but in those moments where it comes off, he's he's just a lot of fun to watch and he's so likeable in the way that he he plays the game. He's always got a huge smile on his face. He always looks like he's having fun. And I think seeing him with a bit less, I guess, responsibility in the defensive sense in that he is being freed up a little bit more to, to play a little bit further forward. It's, it's just fun to watch him because anytime he picks up the ball, you feel like anything could happen. Talking about the the kind of freeing up, it was interesting. I thought Carrick for the Chelsea game, obviously went with that three man midfield, Matic, Matomane and Fred. And Matic and Matomane sat a bit more and Fred kind of had that, license to as you say Duracell bunny everyone and charge about uh, winning the ball back and then he did the same against Arsenal uh, and again yeah I, it's interesting I'm not sure it's something we'll see going forward I'm not sure it fits the kind of Ragnick style I'm not sure it's really realistic for United to play two defensive midfielders and one kind of Duracell bunny 
and it, it shouldn't happen, but it was in, it was an interesting concept and uh, a good one from Carrick, given the circumstances. I'd really like to see actually a, a midfield three of Fred, Matic and Van der Beek at some point. I think that those three could end up working quite well. I think they complement each other nicely. I think Fred and McTominay, we've said for so long, as good as they are defensively and sort of covering so much ground, they are they are limited in terms of giving us that control because on the ball, they're well. Fred is quite erratic and McTominay is quite conservative in that he doesn't really look forward too much. I think if you get Matic in there and one of his strengths is his ability to to push us forward into on uh, you know get us into more more forward positions when he's on the ball. Put him alongside Fred and Van der Beek in there, and I think that could be a trio that could work quite well. I'd be interested to see that. Yeah. Although, interestingly, Ragnick said Fred McTominay did almost everything perfect. I also loved Ragnick's line on, um, I've only known Fred for two days, but I already love him. He is a sunshine. I thought it was <laughs> nice. Um, and on, on that very nice note, um, we'll wrap up. Thank you for listening, everyone, to Series 7, Episode 18 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Uh, for more from us throughout the week, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate's T-A-I-T. And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Uh, which is where you can find out about how to sign up to become a patron, uh, where you'll get bonus Q&As at the end of every show, which we're going to go and do now. But for the rest of you, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.